Hi, I'm Carlos Kina, founding partner of Beyond the Deal, BTD for short, and this is our podcast series titled Beyond the Deal, Making Sense of M&A, Divestments, and Alliances. At BTD, we help smart and savvy organizations design, plan, and manage M&A integrations, separations, and alliances for themselves, and through this, get as much long-term value from the deal as possible. Based on 20 years of experience across more than 150 international engagements, we've made the process as simple, discreet, and modular as possible to reflect our clients' needs today and in the future. This podcast series will help guide you through the challenges and unknowns of M&A, integrations, divestments, separations, and alliances, bringing expertise and best practice from our team and other expert practitioners in our network. Our aim for each podcast is to provide you with practical, helpful nuggets, ideas, new perspectives, and things to do to support your own upcoming deals. We hope you finish each podcast with something new you hadn't considered before that will help you, your team, and your business be more successful. If you like our podcasts, please share, comment, or subscribe to our channel. BTD, from pre-deal to post, we help you go beyond the deal. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Carlos Keener. I'm a partner with Beyond the Deal, BTD, and I am uh, here with John Palmer um, for uh, a Meet the Team conversation as part of our series, introducing different members of the Beyond the Deal team to people. Hi, John, how are you? I'm good, Carlos. Thanks Thanks for having me. No, not at all, not at all. Um, so um, these are, uh, these are quite interesting uh, that we've done so far, and what I'm especially looking forward to with this one is um, you are certainly not the, uh, the newest member of the BTD team, but you're one of the, uh, the newer members, but you've been around uh, long enough to, to have a good per- uh, sort of uh, perspective on, yep. on how BTD is, and, and I've actually seen some changes yourself, um, because I'm trying to think, how long have you actually been, been working with this? I think I've been working with BTD since... Uh, I think it's been a three and a half years now as yeah. an associate and then a consultant. So yeah, yeah it's, it started pretty pretty early on um, with some some great projects with with Barbara, who's, who's yeah. an associate, and uh, then it just grew from there. And then came on full time about yeah two years ago, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. So mm-hmm. cool. So you remember life pre-pandemic as well as uh, as during this this pandemic, <laughs> and hopefully for a good long time afterwards. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. Um, so I'm always interested, and this is kind of how we, we tend to start all of these, but um, over the over the career, sometimes it's really hard to kind of plot forward what you intend to do with your career, and it can seem random at the time, but but in hindsight, there's usually some kind of thread or connection that, that helps explain how you got from where you started to here. But you've actually had a, a fairly varied um, career as well, not, not all in consulting. Um, yeah, tell us just a little bit about kind of where you've been and how you think it brought you to us and why you ended up here. Sure. Yeah, I, I didn't necessarily start in consulting, but it kind of gravitated towards that kind of problem solving aspects of consulting for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I studied maths at, at University of St. Andrews and, and really enjoyed the um, the the analytical and the quantitative side of things my whole career. I you know, started at a small analytics firm outside of Boston and then went to um, 
to Bank of America, specifically Bank of America Merchant Services, which was a, a joint venture, a very interesting opportunity there to work as uh, in corporate strategy, but as part of the analytics team as well. So doing statistical analysis, doing you know uh, competitive at- intelligence, all sorts of work. And, and it was almost an internal consulting role. There was never, you know, a day-to-day was all sorts of different types of projects and, and um, statistical analyses and work a- a- around sort of understanding the, the competitive landscape in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it was never really, uh, you know, same thing day to day. And I, that, I always gravitated towards that. And then I left Bank of America and started to do contract work. And that's how I, I ran into to BTD. And um, I found the work more interesting than anything I had, I had worked on in the past. You know, M&A is probably, um, you know, it, it's constantly changing and there's different problems with every deal. And, and yeah, that aspect I really got drawn to. And, and, and I also really enjoyed working with the teams, um, yep. both the internal BTD teams, but also the the clients as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just, you know, I felt I had a good role within within BTD and then it just grew from there. It, it's interesting because in, in one of the previous versions of these that we've done, uh, one of the things that Zision had said that was different to her expectation was that it wasn't all analytical. One of the things that she highlighted then, and I've certainly seen this in some of the other larger firms, is you know, consulting te- can tend to be perceived as just a really complex mathematical problem or, or numerical problem. And the name of the game is to, you know, get your spreadsheet out, do huge amounts of number crunching and come up with the right answer, which you then sell, exactly. right? Which you, and then the job is about selling that to the, to the client. And that's, that's clearly not our role here. You know, have you found how have you found that as someone who is especially good at that um, numerical analytical side? Uh, you know, how have you found the balance here relative to other places? Yeah, I, I, it's an absolutely it's a great point. And I think Zijin's absolutely right that, um, you know, a lot of people go in, especially, at, you know, at the expectations for consultants is to go in and do a bunch of number crunching and a bunch of sort of work behind the scenes and spit out an answer. And, yeah. and th- that is just. Absolutely, especially with what we do. There may be places that can do that, but especially with with what we do, that is absolutely the wrong approach. The the data needs to be informing your decisions, but there's no one right answer that you're going to get from a set of data. So it's understanding the impacts and the trade-offs of all those things where, you know, I don't know the answer. Uh, and, and when I'm going in, it's it's working collaboratively with everyone to to figure out the right way to do it or or the the way that gets everybody on board um, yeah. and then and then sticking to that plan. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's um, yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of my second year design professor in chemical engineering who pointed out there is never one right answer one, you know, even mathematically, there is not one optimal answer because, of course, there are different agendas. There are different um, criteria around yeah. which there are wrong answers. You know, Absolutely. the bridge will fall down if you don't yeah. design it correctly, but that doesn't mean there's only one right one. Well, everybody's working from from a, from a different set of assumptions, and, you know, thinking about it in, in a more analytical way. And, and and the first thing you have to do, at least in my mind, is is agree on those assumptions, because once you can agree on those assumptions, that's when you can start to get somewhere with an answer. Again, it's I, I don't know what that answer is when I'm walking into the client. That's whole, that's the whole purpose of the project that we're doing. And that's what I find so much so fascinating is, you know, I, I know it's a fairly cliche thing to say as a consultant, but a lot of times the answer is, well, well, it depends. You know, what is the answer to this? It depends. It depends on what your assumptions are, what your you know expectations are. and your outcomes are. So, so yeah, it's a very interesting 
um, way to think about it. And I think everybody at BTD realizes that, which leads to, you know, some, some pretty interesting projects. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, in, in terms of kind of what you bring, clearly one of the strengths that, that you have is around the, the numerical and analytical piece. But I mean, you've done so many projects now that, that are in different other areas. Yeah. yeah. What, what other things would you say you, you kind of bring to BTD, either that you already do or areas that you particularly want to want to strengthen? Yeah, I definitely want to strengthen the more program management and, and um, sort of execution side of things. I'm working on a few projects now as kind of a um, an interim project manager, helping, especially at the early stage of integ integration, making sure mm -hmm. that everybody's bought in and everybody is understanding the rationale and the strategy involved. And and yeah. And, and yeah, you know, pr project management and and all that. Obviously, there's some some sort of uh, maybe a little bit more tedious aspects of it that I'm still getting the hang of. But I really <laughs> like the idea of listening to everybody and understanding everybody's situation and trying to link it all together in one plan. So the program management side has really been something that that I really didn't have much experience in mm -hmm. um, prior to BTD. And it's something that I've learned a lot about. And then all the all the sort of what quote unquote sort of softer side things around culture and comms. Those are things that, you know, are, you know, I'm seeing it in every single project are absolutely critical to get right. You know, yeah. you, you can do it a lot of different ways, but if you get it wrong, it can be an absolute disaster. And, mm -hmm. you know, some people maybe overlook those things when, and, you know, you can have the greatest plan on earth, but if you can't communicate it, then what's the point? And, and right. so we, I'm learning through, you know, working with you, Carlos, and working with the other partners as well, how to approach it and how to prioritize the things that need to be prioritized in a, uh, on those sort of more qualitative aspects of things, as opposed to just thinking, oh, we have to get these synergies at X by X date. It's There's more to it. There's a broader um, issue that you need to solve first, almost. Yes. Yeah. And that's uh, getting people's buy-in and support to it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. Now, I mean, alongside that kind of client work, you also look after our recruitment process. And, and yes. in fact, you're helping us with, uh, well, you you helped us bring on Zision, which was a great find. And you're helping us uh, sort of find the next individual to uh, to come on board. Mm -hmm. What, what in your view, what do you look for? Because you're kind of the first, um, the first hurdle that they have to pass. Sure. Uh, what, what is it that you're looking for in a BTD candidate? What makes the right fit? Absolutely. Yeah, obviously, you know, yeah, you know, looking past all the great, you know, CVs that we've seen and really qualified people and all that stuff that you would expect to, to find in, in someone that you want to bring on your team. Um, mm -hmm. so there's things around, I, I think, um, the, the, the willingness to continue to learn that, that continuous improvement and, and being very interested because I came into BTD without having much idea of the BTD process, so to speak, right. you know, the, the, what we, the unique stuff that we bring to each project. And it was a lot of learning, especially within the first sort of six, I mean, I'm still learning it now, but within the first six months in a year, there's yeah. new things and new, new techniques and new ways of doing things that I'm constantly learning. So you need someone who's clearly interested and wants to learn more. Um, I th think, you know, creativity is something that we really look at. Someone who clearly thinks a little bit more outside, not outside the box, so to speak, but someone who can clearly work through a complex, complex problem creatively, yeah. I think is, is yeah. absolutely critical because there's mm -hmm. a lot of complex problems that you come across on a daily basis. Yeah, and just taking a kind of cookie cutter approach to it is not gonna cut it. Exactly, we have all the templates, I, and I always tell, tell, tell um, clients this, 
you know, you can get templates anywhere on Google yeah. for certain things that we do, but it's how that fits into the whole process and what you get out of those templates. It's not just a checkboxing exercise or checkbox exercise. And for yeah. some people it may need to be, but you know, I think there's, there's a lot more to it and that's what we bring. And that's what we look for when we, when we um, start talking to potential candidates and, you know, do the, are they willing to, you know, think about a problem maybe a little bit differently and, and, and understand that, you know, it, the, the, the trade-offs of all the decisions. So yeah, it, it's a very interesting process. I find it you know, really, really um, fun to meet these people and kind of learn who, who we think can fit in well with BTD. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's that's good because you're right. I think one of the things that I remember learning uh, a while back is a tool is only as good as the ability for the client to apply it and and, and use it. So you've got to be able to tailor that yeah. to the the culture of the client, what capabilities and strengths they have themselves, and and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, no, that that sounds good. Um, let's look forward a little bit. Um, if you think first in terms of the clients, I mean, you've you've been around the block a few times now. What not even thinking about the pandemic per se, but you know, do you see any particular changes to the kinds of things the clients are asking for now compared to when you started the work? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the types of clients has, has sort of shifted, I think, with with all, all the lockdowns and everything that's gone on and all mm. the uncertainty. But that that, you know, notwithstanding, I think there there has been at least um, sort of with a few clients recently a push for more um more useful tools for them really basic mm -hmm. tools we're talking yeah. you know trackers and things like that where they don't necessarily know what they absolutely need but you need to be able to work with them and understand where their um where their needs are to create mm -hmm. something that's simple as you know a monthly tracker for costs or something like yeah. a lot of people uh, you know it, it it sounds simple but you know once you get into the the details of it it actually can be quite a complex problem so helping them almost automate certain certain processes within their integration, I think really helps them. Whereas before, you know, so especially with some of the bigger clients, they have their own ways to do it and they don't really need us for anything like that. So as you, as the client shifts, that, that also has been shifting a little bit too. It's interesting. We, we just spoken to a client earlier today where, yeah, the, the, the most important thing they really needed today was a calendar for communications, which yeah. is, is what we're helping them with. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, certainly one of the things I've noticed, and I know you've been involved in this too, has been around a kind of a shift, probably brought on by the pandemic, but but I think it will it will last, to just take a little more of a serious look at the strategy for inorganic growth, sure. uh, you know, rather than just saying, well, we're gonna, you know, we know we're gonna buy companies, therefore let's go start looking for them and uh, and and work through the process that way. It's taking three steps back and saying, okay, we really need to now think about whether we should be buying, what we should be buying, whether we should be allying or not. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we, we've seen that with with some of our clients who are doing, you know, multiple acquisitions as part of their strategy is, you know, with with a lot of the uncertainty that's come along with the last year and a half. Um, it's been much harder to value yeah. companies and, and, and that brings on a lot more risk. So yeah. with, with added risk, they just need that, that additional level of certainty. And I think setting up a strategy before you even get involved in, in the, the actual, you know, execution of that, that sort of, um, you know, those acquisitions is, is all more critical and being able to start to think about value creation well before anything happens yeah, you know good. it's not yeah. just okay we acquired them now let's look for synergies it's no 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 we need to think about that well before we acquire yeah. and understand how that fits into our strategy and if we can even do it um so yeah, yeah. 
interesting. Well, and, and circling right back to, to where this conversation started, what I'm finding interesting, and it's always the case with, with strategy, I guess, is it's not an analytical exercise. You know, it's, it's very easy to think, okay, we're just going to go ahead and come up with criteria and uh, you know, do some weighted uh, scoring on it and so on. But actually a huge amount of that work, as, as you well have seen, is, is around helping clients understand what their own priorities and, and agendas are, helping Absolutely. to define the problem before you even get to a solution. Exactly. Yeah. And, and understanding the, the impact of, of bringing these, you know, bringing that strategy into their, their operating model and how it changes their business and, you know, how it fits in with their, their broader corporate strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And, and so, you know, kind of with that in mind, but also more broadly, uh, you know, over the next three or four years, you know, what, what would you like to see within BTD in terms of how it's, it's going to change or, or grow over the next few years? It's a great question. I, I think as as things become a little bit more certain in the market, you'll start to see a, a bit more, you know, different types of projects, maybe slightly larger projects mm-hmm. as as things become a, a slightly more normal, I guess, for, yeah. for, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, a from more BTD confidence side, exactly. From BTD's side, you know, uh, I really want, you know, uh, the team seems to be growing quite well. I think we're developing from an internal consultant standpoint, but also, you know, I, I'm hoping projects with a few more people in the associate base as well, because we have so many, yes. you know, really smart, really experienced people. So bringing in that subject matter expertise and that high level experience, I think will be, you know, really, really important for some of these new, um, some of these new projects that will hopefully be be winning in the next couple of years. It's been tough just working so remotely for yeah. for a year and a half. I think we're all pretty excited to to get get working together and start working on some interesting stuff. Yeah, no, no, I, I absolutely agree with you on that one. Yeah. Well, cool. I think that's uh, that's probably all we have time for. Um, thanks very much for that. Um, you know, really happy with uh, um, the time we've been able to spend together here and over the last two or three years, and looking forward to uh, a lot more of it to come. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Not at all. Thanks a lot, John. Cheers. Cheers. If you like our podcasts, please share, comment, or subscribe to our channel. BTD, from pre-deal to post, we help you go beyond the deal.